Scishow Tangents is brought to you by Shopify. Hank, when you started your career as <laughs> the internet science man, was opening an online store something that you were really thinking that hard about or something you thought you'd do in a billion years? I was uh, making a shop before I was the internet science man. Oh, what? That was the first thing I did. I was that first. Wow, I got to learn my Hank history. How did that go for you? <laughs> Good. I'll, here's what I'll tell you. Like the the the... The part where we start selling a thing and you get to see the number go up is so exciting. And uh, when it's just like you uh, by yourself, you got to be careful. But luckily, (laughs) Shopify has all kinds of little tools to help you with that, to help you with increasing conversions, to help you with managing orders, with customer support, with all of the stuff. Uh, Because it's a, you know. I don't know. It feels like the industry standard. And so there are all kinds of plugins that you can use to make your Shopify work for you in particular. That's right. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from vlogging in your parents' basement to treading the boards of Carnegie Hall. Now, it was my basement. It was my (laughs) basement of my own home that I was renting. (laughs) Downstairs of. (laughs) If you say so. From your first sale to your one millionth, Shopify is here to help you grow. And they've got a proven track record, my friends. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and powers entrepreneurs in 175 countries. They have, as Hank mentioned, the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And they have award-winning customer service because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tangents, all lowercase tangents. Go to shopify.com slash tangents now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S, all lowercase. And welcome to SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make the YouTube series SciShow happen today. As always, we are joined by Stefan Chin. What's Hello. your tagline? Uh, Victory Royale. We've also got Sam Schultz. Oh, shoot. That's mine. <laughs> <laughs> Sari Riley is here as well on the science couch with me. Yikes. Is your tagline? Is Uh-oh. my tagline. And, and I'm Hank Green. Uh... Pain in the Shrek. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We're all having a bad week, it sounds like. Yeah. So every week here on SciShow Tangents, we get together and try to one-up, amaze, and delight each other with science facts. And we are playing for glory, but we are also playing for Hank Bucks. That is how we are keeping score. They are Hank Bucks, but I only get access to them once I, yeah, it seems I like I should have really them. make any sense. But... What are you talking about? It just seems like I should, if they're Hank bucks, I should get them. Yeah. I don't need, you're like the, the, the mint, mm. you, you mint the, the currency. Right. But then... the mint doesn't get to have infinite you know, no. money. George Washington didn't get to have as many dollar bills as he ever wanted. That's for sure. <laughs> you're just the so... figurehead of this enterprise. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> we do everything we can to stay on topic, but because of who we are. That is, and also the name of the podcast, that is uh, an impossible to achieve goal. But if somebody on the podcast wants to go on a tangent, they got to give up one of their Hank Bups (laughs) 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 or go negative. (laughs) Now, as always, to introduce this week's topic with the traditional science poem, we have Sam. 
There once was a man named Ikeda, and Dashy Broth he loved to savor. When he discovered that kombu made new flavors come through, he said umami is what I'll call this flavor. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, I did a Sari. You want to know why? Because it has a science fact in it. Yeah. Do you explain it real quick? Yeah, yeah. explain your science so, fact. Uh, Kakune Ikeda was a chemist at Tokyo okay. Imperial University. So you didn't just make up a name that rhymed with flavor. No, no. And in 1908, <laughs> he discovered that the addition of kombu in the broth he was eating for What's dinner. What's kombu? Is it like kombucha? It's seaweed, I think, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's seaweed. It's like dry Is Japanese. it kombucha? No, it no. probably has nothing to do with kombucha. I know that it's seaweed. Well, he was eating broth for dinner and it had extra kombu in it. And he was like, hmm, this is extra good. And he called the new flavor umami and he discovered through science because he was a chemist that monosodium glutamate also known as msg was the culprit to the flavor and then he developed a way to like condense it so so umami is like the msg flavor mm-hmm. it's part of the msg flavor well yeah. then that sounds great to me yummy i'm yummy. a fan of msg i gotta say yeah mm-hmm. i read while i was looking this up that the msg like makes you feel bad thing is not true oh yeah. they've never yeah. been able to replicate it I'm going to spend a hank buck on this, but I think (laughs) this is like a very cool sociology thing. I think it's part of when there was a lot of scare towards Asian American people, Mm -hmm. especially like Japanese and Chinese. They were like, oh, MSG is in Chinese food and we're afraid of the alien people in America. So we're going to blacklist MSG as a bad flavor and unhealthy for you. Hmm. It apparently appears what? in other ethnic foods, but we don't care about We don't about think those. about it yeah. that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it is that something that it also appears in like non-ethnic foods? Like sure. tomatoes. Yeah. 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 Uh, is, was it something that was done intentionally or was that just sort of like it, it snowballed a little bit? I think it snowballed. Yeah. Um, I'm not entirely sure beyond that. Like that, that was the extent of my fun fact. So okay. I guess, <laughs> but I think when it, it was like, especially used as an additive in Chinese food. And so right. because of that, people hyper-focused on it and was yep. like. That unfortunately makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. So kombu uh, is in Japanese kombucha is made from kombu kelp. So that is. Uh, kombucha directly translates to kombu kelp tea. Huh. Wow. Oh, I've already cool. learned more that... than I've ever learned in any episode. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great science poem. Thanks. I like, you know, limericks are good because then you're done. You know, it was actually really hard. <laughs> <laughs> but I, thought... I like writing a limerick because then I know when I'm done. That's Whereas true. with a normal mm. poem, I'm like, I guess I'm done. Yeah. I guess. Is a rhyme scheme a thing? I'm not yeah. really sure. <laughs> I could I could do another stanza. Uh, so our topic of the week is taste. It's not <laughs> kombucha or MSG. No. It is taste. Uh, so flavors, taste buds, the mechanism of taste, how things taste, etc. Do we need to explain to the audience what taste is? <laughs> tongue chemistry. Basically, yeah. There, I, when I was reading about this, apparently chemistry. there's a difference between taste and flavor. Oh, oh, according to people. So like my taste poem is invalid. <laughs> <laughs> well, all my facts are related to flavors, too. But okay. taste is specifically tongue chemistry. So anything ah. from your tongue to your brain. Mm. But then flavor can also involve mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. So like chalky mm. mouthfeel uh-huh. or smells like okay. odors. Yeah, so okay. the flavor you'd say like, OK, this wine has huh. a flavor. Well, so and also a taste. I know that I think we've talked about on SciShow that like your sight also plays a role oh, yeah. in, in taste and flavor or mm-hmm. one of those. Now I'm con- flavor, not probably. sure which term to use. Yeah. yeah. 
but maybe taste too. I mean, like, like it's, it ends up being surprisingly subjective, all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And despe- like when you start to get into the, the science of taste and of flavor, which we do sometimes specifically for wine, because this seems to be something that we care about the flavor of the most of anything mm-hmm. for whatever reason, because that's what we've decided. Yeah. Uh, that when, when, like things that shouldn't matter matter, like the color of the glass you're drinking mm-hmm. out of. Mm-hmm. But also, even for people who are like super expert sommeliers, they, when it comes down to it, they're like, once you get to a certain level, you're like, it's not that different. Once you get in, like, once yeah. the wine is nice, they all, they can taste different. But like, whether it's good or bad has much to do, much more to do with your subjective taste than it has yeah. to do with anything anything objective. So or a wine that costs twelve hundred dollars might be to you just as enjoyable as a fifty dollar wine. Yeah, or or to me as enjoyable as a five dollar wine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they all taste the same to me. But chemically, taste is just uh, we have a certain number of receptors in our mouths that different kinds of molecules can bind to, and they send uh, different signals, and there are not very many of them. There's yeah. just like the sweet, sour, bitter, umami, and, salty. and salty, and umami. Salty, yeah. I mm-hmm. forgot about salt. Um, I forget about salt. It's great. It's the best one. <laughs> what is sweet without salt, you guys? Uh, it is the best one when you're old. I don't like sweet stuff anymore. You know what I like <laughs> is like salty sweet stuff. Like get put, yeah. like I literally like crack salt onto cookies now. Whoa, oh, you get out of That's here! Right. I do it. Okay. <laughs> you know what I like now that I'm disgusted by it, that I like it? Black licorice. What's wrong oh. with me? No, I'll never like black licorice. What would kid me say about that? Gross. <laughs> Just be like, ew, yeah. ew, I'm going to be that someday. Wait, did none of you guys like black licorice? No. no. Oh, I'm old. I'm an old man. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> you can take it from all the kids, though, when they don't want it. Well, that's the, the great yeah. thing about having black licorice, liking black licorice is that it's always around. Yeah, nobody wants it. It's like it. every jelly bean that's left at the bottom. Oh, <laughs> I, I like like nice black licorice. Not like jelly bean black <laughs> Not licorice. Not like jelly bean black licorice. All right, well. Is there a difference? They're all bad. Mm, well, we can do a whole episode about it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there is a difference. Okay. Before we get too deep into the black licorice hole, it's time. For- <laughs> <laughs> Truth or Fail is uh, the, the, the segment in which one of our panelists has prepared for us three science facts for our education and enjoyment, but two of them are lies. One of them is true. The other panelists have to figure it out either by deduction or wild guesses. And if you do get it right, you get a Hank Buck. And if we're wrong, Sari, who is hosting Truth or Fail this week, will get the Hank Buck. So. Did I get a Hank Buck for my poem? Sure. Yes. All right, Sari. What do you got for us? Some really fun facts. (laughs) 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 Okay. Number one. There's a marine invertebrate called Pyura chilensis, also sometimes known as a living rock because it's all gray on the outside and has bright red flesh on the inside. It's true. Ooh. It's very cool. True fact. Does it taste like licorice? No. Uh, it is a delicacy, though, because uh-huh. it has its blood has a high concentration of a substance called chilensin, mm. which binds to taste buds and makes sweet food taste spicy, kind of like the opposite uh. of a miracle berry. Wait, what is this thing? Some kind of what plant? It, it's, a, it's a marine invertebrate. So it's oh, an animal, okay. but it doesn't have any bones and it just looks like, like very a, squishy like and gross. Weird. It's a tunicate, I think. It's a tunicate, everybody. Might also not be real. Um, fact number two. One of the most prominent sources of coffee flavoring in chocolates and other things is actually mango pits, 
the big seeds in the Ooh. center of mangoes. You crack open the outside layer and roast the inside and grind it up. It tastes what has been described as sweet, mellow, and earthy Ooh. and lingers longer than a normal coffee flavor on your Why taste buds. Why do I eat that? What, is it have caffeine? No caffeine, but it's All just right. like then the flavor. Like, they should make decaf out of that. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I'm like, decaf does not taste as good as calf. And then I'm sad for myself because I have to drink decaf Mm. because I freak out otherwise. It's not like a health thing. I just get way over the top. Yeah, I can't have caffeine either. I don't drink soda or coffee. Brain too much. Brain too much. Uh, Um, I never have brain quite enough. So (laughs) I need it. On fact number three, um, pine nuts, the tiny seeds that are in like everything bagels or in pesto, um, can sometimes lead to a condition called pine mouth which lasts for days to weeks in like an extreme aftertaste situation um, because of an unidentified compound inside some of them. Everything you eat tastes more bitter or metallic for that period of time. I can see that one being true. I have a tangent to go on, but I'm going to do it after we answer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Huh? Does anybody have any opinions? Should we go over them again? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, let's go over them again. So number one, Chilensin makes sweet food spicy. Number two, coffee-flavored mango pits. Number three, pine mouth. Okay. I feel good I feel good and strong about coffee-flavored mango pits because I feel like wh- where the place where we get artificial flavors from is often natural but different from mm-hmm. the thing itself. Sure. But, like, at the same time, it's not like there's a shortage of coffee, but I yeah. guess it yeah. lingers That's longer. That's what I'm thinking. Okay, I don't think it's that one. You don't think it's that one? I want it to be pine mouth. I think pine, pine mouth I sounds feel like I've had good pine to me, mouth too. Before. I Yes, this is what my tangent is about. Ah, okay. uh, but but uh, But not to do with pine nuts huh. or something with pine nuts as we traditionally eat them <laughs> <laughs> oh boy I'm excited <laughs> for that this sounds very ominous yeah. what you did with these pine nuts uh, they all sound fake to me oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I don't believe any of it <laughs> I think it's a trick question. <laughs> I want it to be the rock. Yeah, me too. Because that's like a really weird transformation of flavor to go from sweet to spicy. But I guess if you can transform other flavors, yeah. maybe you can transform eh, but all flavors. The the problem I have with that one, and I feel like <laughs> I don't know if it, if I end up being wrong about this, I'm going to seem like a total dummy. But the problem I have with it is like the spicy receptor. I think is just the pain receptor. Ooh, and so to. To turn your pain receptors into something that can receive a sweet, I don't know. I guess it's possible. But maybe it like reacts with your saliva in a way that like yeah. No, now that I said it, it could totally be possible because proteins can deform, man. Yeah, deform. I feel like that that one is not real. I'm going. I'm going to go with pine mouth. Yeah, me too. Ooh, I'll go with the rock. Steph's going for the rock. It was Pine Mouth. Pine Mouth! <laughs> so before you explain Pine Mouth to us, I want to go on my tangent and spend the Hank buck that I just made immediately <laughs> on the, the time when I was out with Catherine hiking through the forest. What did you eat? And I found pine nuts. Okay. What I thought were pine uh-huh. nuts. They looked exactly like pine nuts. <laughs> and possibly they were pine oh. nuts. And I put like a handful of them in my mouth. So they're in a pine cone. I like yeah. like broke up in the pine cone. Pine nuts were in there. I was like, pine nuts. Oh, I love pine nuts. They're super tasty. I put them in my mouth. 
turpentine. <laughs> oh no! Like, oh. like I poured turpentine in my mouth, and I tasted it for a day. Oh no! And so that made me think that maybe this was a true fact. Yeah, maybe you got. And it was so bitter. I don't yeah. know if I got something that wasn't pine nuts, mm-hmm. or if you have to prepare pine nuts in a certain way mm-hmm. before yeah. they're edible. I tried to look that up really fast. I was unable to. Uh, so I don't know what I ate, but I always assumed that I ate pine nuts that just weren't roasted and had like all of the like volatile chemicals burned out of them. But Uh I will say that I love pine nuts and that was terrible. They're very expensive. So finding a bunch of free pine nuts (laughs) on the ground is really great. (laughs) Kids don't just eat stuff in the forest. (laughs) How old are you when you Uh, did that? I... Uh, well, this was Catherine, probably six so. years ago. Oh, boy. Yeah. Too old. This was in Montana, so <laughs> yeah. in the last 15 years. Sari, tell us about pine mouth. Yeah. yeah, pine mouth, also known as pine nut syndrome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely got that. You got PMS. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's abbreviated to, <laughs> PMS in all the papers. Um, but apparently between July 2008 and June 2012, the FDA received 501 consumer reports oh. of mm prolonged taste disturbances after huh. eating pine nuts. Hmm. Just people calling and being like, what happened to my mouth? Because it can <laughs> last. <laughs> I've had a prolonged taste disturbance. <laughs> that happens to me with Splenda, by the way. I have a prolonged oh, really? taste huh. disturbance, which is not unusual. Mm-hmm. Huh. Just like everything tastes sweet for like but how long? six hours. This is oh, like man. up to four weeks. <gasps> like oh, all no. your food just tastes oh, shitty. <laughs> 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 the, the interesting thing is it's not an allergy. Like, they don't have any allergic responses mm-hmm. to it. It doesn't seem to matter where the nuts came from. One species seems more likely to mm. cause it. I think 75% of cases came from Pinus armandii, a white pine from China. And it's happened to people who have had pine nuts before with no adverse reaction. Mm-hmm. And it's just a mystery. Like, they just eat pesto or eat some pine nuts on a salad one day, and then their taste buds are all messed up for a really long time. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it deforms the protein. Mm -hmm. And like, when you have a miracle berry, it lasts for a long time. And that's the thing that changes bitter to sweet in your mouth. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there are three guesses that I found on the internet. They're all just from scientists that seem to have been interviewed. Um, One of them is that it's a phantom taste caused by nerve damage of some sort. So we haven't found a neurotoxic agent in pine nuts, but it's possible that because of the way these particular nuts were processed or like certain species could Mm. have some sort of nerve damaging agent that really messes with your taste buds. And so it like lasts until your taste buds regrow. Another idea proposed that the metallic taste is because of in your gut, there are bitter receptors similar to Uh on taste buds, apparently. Uh Um, And some pine nuts may contain compounds that stimulate those receptors. And so they latch on back up to your mouth. I don't think it goes back up to your mouth. I think it's just like triggers the same things in your brain. Yeah. Hmm. So like you have a constant bitter signal in your brain. And then one study on one patient, it was just like one 23-year-old patient. (laughs) So I don't know how good this is. Said that it might have to do with being a super taster. Hmm. So this Mm -hmm. person was a super taster, which is that PTC phenylthiocarbamide, I wrote it down, Uh, (laughs) is like a compound that some people find to be really bitter while other people find to be really tasteless. Mm -hmm. And so she got pine nut syndrome, pine mouth, and is also a super taster. So maybe people who are extra sensitive to bitter tastes have Mm -hmm. the opportunity to get their mouth really messed up. There's a marine rock you can eat. It just tastes like 
iodine oh, or soap. Weird. And then I just made up the mango pit thing, but almond flavor oh. comes from apricot, nectarine, and peach and plum pits. Oh, what the heck? oh. that's crazy. Can they oh, make man. almond milk from that? Because I feel like there's too many almond trees in the world. <laughs> I think they do. They use it for most almond artificial flavoring just comes from that. So oh. they probably hmm. could. Do you know, you might not know this, and this is not a tangent exactly, but it might <laughs> take a long time to talk about. Do you know if it's all or nothing with the pine mouth? I think it's all or nothing. Okay. Oh, yeah. I feel like I've eaten pesto that's made me be like, oh, now everything I'm eating tastes like garbage, but it didn't last like six days. Mm. So maybe I'm just making it mm. up. Maybe. I think the short end of the spectrum is two-ish days. Okay. So if it lasted for mm. a little bit, then it could happen. Or you could have just eaten some bad pesto. 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 I suppose that's possible. <laughs> bad pesto is Sam's new tagline uh, for the episode. <laughs> it might have been pesto I made. So maybe that was a, that I was always find that pesto I make is not as good from pesto at the store. It's very hard to make, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm bad. I'm bad at it. Or my basil is just no good. Speaking of bad basil, let's head into our ad break. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money. If I asked you how many subscription services you had, you think you could name them all? And before you just start naming streaming apps, remember that basically everything has a subscription these days. Video games, dating apps, food delivery apps. It's a subscription service world. We're just living in it. And with all of these subscriptions, it can feel like money is just flying out of your account. And that, frankly, sucks. But Rocket Money can help. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money can help you negotiate to lower some bills for you by up to 20%. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in total canceled subscriptions. Escape from the planet of the subscription services and stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. And we're back. I have zero points. I lost one talking too much about pine nuts. Stefan has zero points. Sari, you got one point. Sam, you got two. <laughs> you guys are screwed. <laughs> uh, it's time for the fact off, where Stefan and I have each brought a fact, an attempt to blow the other panelists' minds. The presentees, the people we're telling our fact to, both have a Hank Buck to award to the fact that they like the most. However... If both facts are a giant snooze, you can choose not to award us any Hank Bucks and just throw them in the trash. And uh, and I'm ready to give mine, uh, but I guess we have to decide who gives their fact by having some mm. kind of taste-related Are you a thing. super taster? I am. Mm, go first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> when Apollo astronauts went to the moon, they unexpectedly got a bunch of moon dust stuck to them. It was really clingy, and it came into the lander with them. And that's not great. It's extremely fine, and it clung to everything. Uh, but also, when they first entered the lander, it has smell and a taste. According to the Apollo astronauts, the moon dust smelled and tasted like burned gunpowder. So, like, kind of like fireworks. They uh, were people who had fired guns a lot, so they knew what it smelled like. Of course, the moon doesn't have any gunpowder on it. Here's the really weird part. The moon dust on Earth does not smell like gunpowder. It smells like nothing. So we can sniff moon dust. We have some here on the Earth. So 
The thought is that some chemical reactions have happened to the dust in the presence of oxygen that removed the smell. And while the astronauts intended to bring back samples in vacuum-sealed thermoses, the moon dust was so abrasive that all of the seals failed and the oxygen was let in. So there's no way for us to test what moon dust is really made out of. And the Apollo taste and sniff tests are the only reason we know that we don't know. So it lost its stuff lost by the time the it got back? That's right. Are hmm. is moon dust toxic to humans? So it seems like it's abrasive. This is a really interesting story too. So they did first of all, they did uh, lick the moon. Several oh. ast- several of the Apollo astronauts totally licked it. Okay. How? They had to bring it inside. The like, they didn't lick yeah. the surface of the moon. <laughs> 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 Once they like brought it in a little tent and yeah. <laughs> take off your space. And like, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, there there was they did lick moon rocks. They put the moon dust in huh. their mouths. Uh, Did to, someone tell him to do that? or I don't think so. <laughs> okay. I think that it was inadvisable. But it's so weird <laughs> to think of like the gung-ho stuff that they did. And whether it's toxic or not, it's uh, it's abrasive and it irritated the nasal passages of one astronaut, but probably all of them. Because huh. the only astronaut who reported hay fever-like symptoms from inhaling moon dust mm-hmm. was the only non-pilot who was on the Apollo missions. He was the geologist. Mm. And the rest of them probably just didn't report it because pilots kind of have a culture of not telling you when something's going wrong <laughs> sure. with their bodies. Trying to be tough guys. Yeah. Huh. Uh-huh. But the geologist is like, oh, I sniffed some rock and it was bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and actually said, like when they were like, you were the only one who reported this? He was like, I was the only one who reported it. <laughs> the pilots, I also saw their eyes watering and their noses running. But huh. yeah, he's so he had sort of like hay fever symptoms yeah. from the moon dust. Not too bad. Not too bad. All right. I'd lick the moon then. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all, you know, they live to normal ages. What's it made out of? Is there stuff? It's is mostly it like, sand, mostly okay. silicon dioxide. Right. So there's stuff on Earth that if you sniffed it, you would hurt yourself too. Yeah. Right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Any, cool. <laughs> sucking oh, yeah. any dust. Yeah. That could give you allergies. Sure. Yeah. And so they think that probably once it hit oxygen, it started to like volatilize in some of these you know, post-gunpowder, like, burned gunpowder smells started to form, but then they continued to oxidize until Mm. it was smellless. So we Mm. don't know the chem... We don't really know the chemistry of the moon because all of it got contaminated with oxygen. Yeah. So thoughts as to why it smells and tastes like this are wide-ranging and they're only hypotheses and cannot be tested because all of their vacuum thermoses failed. All of them. <laughs> Guys, get your stuff together. Don't put sand well, on the rim of your vacuum thermos. Well, they probably thought that we'd be living on the moon by now, so they didn't really care that much. <laughs> all right, Stefan, what do you got for us? So bees, when they're flying around from to, between different plants, can get exposed to pesticides that are on those plants. And there have been many studies done to show or to try to show the effects of those pesticides on the bees. But those studies usually don't take into account what behavioral changes the bees might make if they had a choice of food source. They're just like giving them pesticides a bunch of times. So in a recent study, this was published in August 2018, researchers gave 10 colonies of bees the option to feed from various feeders that had uh, sugar laced with different concentrations of pesticides. And... Over the course of the experiment, they found that at first they avoided them, but then they developed a taste for the contaminated what? Uh, sugar and began to consume that preferentially. So they're like they addicted to the pesticides? Yes. 
they're like, you know, it's like spicy food. It hurts. Yeah, but, but you it's look, also kind of good. Like it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of like being near death. <laughs> Do you so, think that's really why they developed a taste for it? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> like I don't know. I'm not a bee. Yeah. I don't know what life is like. Yeah. But I do know that people like spicy food because uh, the the pain can actually like give you an endorphin rush that you get right. a little addicted mm. to. And you got to find spicier and spicier food. That's right. Ooh. Yeah. So the pesticide they used is one of the neonicotinoid pesticides, yep. which is uh, hotly debated. It seems like mm-hmm. it seems like most people are convinced that it is harming the bees, but some but it, some people are still doubtful, and so especially some, people who make it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> they've banned it in Europe. <laughs> it's it's partially banned. Oh, it's partially banned. Uh, in things that are not grown in greenhouses. Oh, basically, yeah. okay. But that ban will end eventually. So there's still like a lot of debate about how mm-hmm. we should handle this. Does um, it have nicotine in it? It's not nicotine, but it's chemically similar to nicotine. Yeah. So that's part of what they think is going on is that the, it oh, is kind of they're getting addicted, addicted to, to it, to uh, the pesticides. Can I go on a small tangent, which is that the <laughs> other thing that I was looking at to possibly talk about, uh, there wasn't a lot to say about it, but I just thought it was weird that like they have these digital lollipops. Oh, and no. so. It's it doesn't look like a lollipop at all. It's okay. like a circuit board because these aren't like commercial devices. So it's like, yeah. you know, these researchers have created this thing. So it looks like a circuit board with a little flap and you lick the flap and it using electrical signals, it stimulates different tastes. What? And Whoa. So that combined with a Senti, I think is the name of it. And it it's a little device that plugs into your iPhone and there's an app. And so you press like what scent you want and it puffs a thing out. So you can like do a sour taste on the lollipop and then say, I want lemons on the scenty. And then you get this like full flavor experience of like eating a lemon. But you're licking your phone. But you're licking a little <laughs> flap of uh, conductive That's material. That's good. That's really cool. <laughs> That's, that is also can a good I give fact. You, can I give you my Hank book for that? Sure. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Didn't know we were preparing two. <laughs> uh, I'll Whatever. give it to you as a B one, but it's secretly for the, okay. the other one. I gotcha. I liked the moon. I heard heard the gunpowder thing before. I didn't know that it went away on Earth. Yeah. Mm. That was like That's new cool. mysterious information. Yeah, so. the moon one is also very cool. Yeah. So you, get get my hand. Book. you get my hand. All right. Yeah. It is now time to ask the science couch where listeners send us questions and our couch of finely honed scientific minds will attempt to answer them. Hit me, Sam. All right. Kristen Stevens at K underscore M underscore Stevens asks, <laughs> how does the food I grew up with or that my pregnant mom ate impact my taste preferences as an adult? I'm going to toss this one straight to Sarah because <laughs> I have no idea. Really? You know what? You can guess. I'm sure that... No, I can't. This one seems really complicated. I really don't... Really? Like, certainly, I don't know like what the food my I, mom ate has effects on me at all. Like, well, so sure, I maybe. see... I'm not aware of anything, but I could see some sort of epigenetic pathway sure. happening. I can see it. But... Uh, you gotta do you gotta do research on it to make sure yeah. though, and I'm not aware of any. The other thing is like what food you were raised eating. Yeah. I assume that you like, you know, like the first time I had kimchi, I was like, "This is bad. Mm-hmm. It hurts." <laughs> but I feel like a lot of kids also hate the food that they grew up. Yeah, eating. that's true. I kind of feel like it might be 
Random. That's my guess. <laughs> I think it's all very complicated. And so if there are any flavor scientists out there, feel free to correct me because it seems like there's a lot of research into this. Oh, really? And it's like very complicated because mm. uh, it's like a whole mix of chemistry and psychology and whatever mm-hmm. we know. But we do know that certain flavors get into the bloodstream and therefore get into breast milk and amniotic fluid. Mm. So while your fetus is still developing up in there, volatile compounds are also floating around. Things like vanilla and carrot and anise and garlic. Um, And they found this through like studies. So they gave, for example, some pregnant women... Not sure they how they obtained the amniotic fluid in this study, but they like gave a couple of women garlic pills while they were pregnant, and then oh. got a sample of amniotic fluid from controls and not, and had people sniff them, and the ones that ate garlic smelled a little bit oh. more garlicky. Ooh. Oh my what? god! So like That's you so could weird. if you eat like a bunch of just Italian food the week before you give birth, yeah. your water no. breaks, and you're just like, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> my baby smells so good. Roasting g- some uh, garlic, garlic around here? Yeah. <laughs> Um, can you can you eat so much spicy food that you hurt your baby? I don't think you can hurt them. Okay, we're not sure about capsaicin, like whether it goes mm-hmm. into the amniotic fluid, but it is like bathing your fetus in it, so it's like huh. all up in their nose and mouth oh, yeah. and hitting yeah. their receptors. Happens with carrot juice too. There, this was not mm. like a significant correlation, statistically significant correlation, mm. but there was one. There were three groups of women in this study. One of them drank carrot juice consistently during pregnancy. One of them drank carrot juice consistently. At immediately afterwards, so when they were breastfeeding, and one of them didn't, just drank water. Uh, and the ones that drank carrot juice, their babies had like a slight preference to eating like mushy carrot food mm. compared to like the other babies. And I don't know, when you study babies, they like lick their tongues or blink their eyes and they're like, this baby <laughs> likes this thing, uh, which is it's just so hard to study babies. Yeah. And then apparently... Babies are born with a preference for sweet and salty tastes. So mm. that's why we think that they have an aversion to some vegetables. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it used to be like the biological need for sodium is a lot because we need it for muscles and nerves to fire. Mm-hmm. And now it's just not scarce anymore. Mm-hmm. But we still have that holdover mm-hmm. potentially for the preference. Um, oh. And then like you all were saying, um, there seems to be some sort of psychological exposure effect. So in the same way, you can eat a bunch of spicy food over and over again and desensitize yourself to it almost mm-hmm. or get used to it. You can do that with any food. Uh, but the weird thing is, is it can go all the way back to the womb, we think. Like you can start uh-huh. exposing yourself to flavors. So you could start already desensitized to a certain level of spiciness. Maybe spiciness, not spiciness, question mark, but like uh, yeah. definitely okay. flavor profiles of different <clears throat> cultures. Right. They think. So you maybe are predisposed to liking the food that you're going to be served in your culture. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think so. Mm. Okay. I think there's some, there's it seems to be enough evidence that if your mom is eating a thing or if your pregnant parent is eating a thing, then you will probably also enjoy that thing mm-hmm. or at least be used to the taste. All right. I got to say thanks to people who sent us in your questions. Thanks to Drishta and a doomed cupcake. <laughs> I was like, what does that say? It says a doomed cupcake. Uh-huh. If you want to ask the science couch, you can tweet to us using the hashtag AskSciShow. And with that, Let's take a look at our final scores. I have one. Stefan has one. Sari has one. Sam! You did it, my friend. You have two points. I told you you guys were screwed. <laughs> <laughs> if you like this show and you want to help us out, it's really easy to do that. You can leave us a review on iTunes. That's helpful and helps us know what you think about the show. You can tweet out your favorite moment from this episode. And finally, you can just tell people about us. Thank you for joining us this week. 
I have been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. I've been Stephen Chin. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is a co-production with WNYC Studios. Our music is by Joseph Tunamedish, and our art is by Hiroko Matsushima. Our social media organizer is Victoria Bongiorno, and we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thanks, and remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But one more thing. The giant California sea cucumber has a mouth, but it uses its anus as a second mouth. Why? <laughs> what? <laughs> but can it taste through its butt? That's great. Presumably as much as they have taste receptors on it. Can it poop out its mouth? I don't know. Hmm. But they learned by into. giving it radioactive in mm. like not an unsafe way but like little particles yeah. and they found some around its mouth in that part they found some around its butt and so they were like it must be sucking it up through its butt too it wasn't just <laughs> pooping it out no because there was like a extreme like a higher concentration huh. weird as if it were sucking so it, it in so it just goes up and then they're like alright no. and then it goes back down yeah <laughs> sounds like it has two butt mouths but <laughs> I, I don't know it has one butt mouth and one mouth mouth <laughs> <laughs> one, okay good, good thanks for letting me yeah